Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts David Luzader and Nick Shermooksness. In this episode, we will discuss the new Punisher in town and the adventures of James Wan and Aquaman, as well as the first appearance of Jim Gordon as Batman and Warren Ellis' Injection. Stay tuned for these exciting topics and much more! Drop that down and and welcome everyone. Welcome, David. Welcome to the exciting late night episode, the after dark edition of <laughs> Heck Yeah <laughs> Comics. Literally like two hours after we normally start start and it's after dark. Yeah. No, it's uh you know, usually it's bright and sunny when we start. Yeah, and, bright uh, and sunny. And now uh, we, we we're, we're comic nerds, so we don't see the sun. That's true. That's true. We can't see much light from the the basement. It's true. You know, oh, stereotypes. <laughs> I mean, I can see the light of my like my giant monitors, and uh, and occasionally some light catches off of the inside of like the Cheetos bag. You know, it's got like a foil on the inside. <laughs> can be, are, you, are you like getting like orange crust all over your keyboard? All. I'm pretty sure like I'm orange skinned at this time, but I've never I've, I haven't been in actual direct light in a while, so it's really hard to tell. I. <laughs> I'm not really sure what my skin looks like anymore. I don't even think I'm human. You're but, just one giant cheat. Remember that you watched Keenan and Kel as a kid, right? Yeah. Uh, you remember the episode where he, uh, Kel, uh, got checked out by a doctor, and it was just like your insides are all orange. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Oh, that was a good one. Do you, do you remember the um, the episode of uh, the Magic School Bus where that one kid had to give like a big talk? And he got real nervous, so he kept eating a bunch of like what were basically Cheetos, and it turned his skin orange. I don't remember that one, though. I did recently watch um, an episode of of Magic School Bus, and that is trippy as it's, trip. It's pretty weird stuff, it really is. But you know. But you can find out our opinions on the Magic School Bus on the uh, Heck Yeah. Magic School Bus podcast that we do later in the week. But this week, right now, in this show, we're going to talk about comics. Comic books? We're we're talking about them. I'm putting my foot down. All right. Well, I I don't want to get in your way because you've you've been kind of crabby. Look, man. (laughs) Life is is hard on the streets. Yeah. And also, Look, man is the new superhero I'm working on. (laughs) <laughs> look, man. Look, Which, look, like, where? He doesn't. Where? He doesn't like really solve the crime. He just sees it. <laughs> it's like there's a man robbing that bank over there. It's like, what are you gonna do, look, man? <laughs> look, Watch him. Look, I mean, he's really going... useless. I don't know why. Uh, I keep getting rejection letters. It should go in that uh, book man. we were ta- that we. Uh, oh yeah, the, what was the that book, book of regrettable superheroes or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Uh, Age of so regrettable. Good. I don't know, something like that. Uh, uh, definitely on my to read list, but that uh, look man sounds like uh, the kind of guy you'd find there. Regrettable superheroes. Let's see if this even pulls anything up. The League of Regrettable Superheroes is what it's called. League of Reg- okay, League of Regrettable Superheroes. Yeah, but mm-hmm. by uh, by John Morris. It uh, looks pretty dang funny. I mean, uh, people could could be seeing it as I'm seeing it right now. It it looks rather amusing. 
<laughs> it's I can only see what you see. That's me. This is me having a chuckle at it. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some news stories because some <sighs> news happened this week. News and, did happen. Let's okay. just go right into it. Bullets flying. John Bernthal cast as Frank Castle in Daredevil season what? two. David, go. Man, so I'm, I'm number one. I'm sad to see Thomas Jane go. Let, you know his movies weren't, or his movie wasn't great, but that doesn't mean he was a bad Punisher. You know, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck was not the worst thing about Daredevil. Uh, Thomas Jane is not the worst thing about Punisher. Still, I think if you're gonna recast him, this is the guy to go with. Uh, he has a really good intensity and kind of insanity that his I his resume uh, literally says intense. Right. It's like, do you want a guy who's borderline homicidal slash all the way homicidal? Hire John Bernthal. It's his, uh, and, and his he's, business he's card. He's had an interesting kind of interesting career. I'm, I'm trying to think of when I first saw him. I think the first time I saw him, he was playing the ex-husband or boyfriend or something of one of the witches of witches of Eastwick. Totally oh, thought no. you were going to say, like, Waverly Place. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't expect him in that why, show. Why was I... I mean, okay, not that Waverly Place would have been much better, but why was I watching Witches of Eastwick? Like, like I don't know, man. Is the question. Um, yeah, the first thing I saw, man, I, that I recognized him in would definitely be uh, The Walking Dead, uh, which is probably what people know him for uh, as Shane. And he definitely brought a lot to that character mm-hmm. um, that was very, like, memorable and uh, very creepy. Yeah. And he, yeah, I mean, again, really great resume says intense. But I think someone, one of the little op things that people have been doing since he got announced, uh, they, they, they mentioned that he could pull off intensity but also vulnerability. Like, you but, saw more inside of him than just, like, angry douchebag. It was like, this is a guy that... He's intense, he's serious, he's self-righteous, but like there's a real vulnerability, vulnerability underneath all of that. Now, does Frank Castle have vulnerability? Um, I mean, I think he's the kind of guy where if you want to do him right, he's the, the vulnerability needs to be minimalist, but it's got to be there, because otherwise he's just like a cardboard cutout of vengeance. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say because we don't know what role he's going to kind of take in all of this until yeah. you know we see more mm-hmm. um but i mean he it's one of those things where when when they had first announced the the netflix uh defender series um i kind of had this vision that like the punisher was this boogeyman lurking in the background of all of the shows before like being maybe like the initial antagonist in the defenders special mm-hmm. um so i mean that might still come into focus with this, uh, whether or not he gets his own Netflix show, I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know if I want him to be a central antagonist in this or someone who kind of becomes like an obstacle in Daredevil's way as he's trying to, like, stop the main problem. Well, I, you know, I think we saw with, with season one that while, you know, Fisk was kind of the big bad, there were definitely, you know, like you said, there were the different obstacles he had to overcome. <laughs> Well, it's like basically in Daredevil, he fought a bunch of mini bosses before fighting the main boss. The True. Big boss. So, I mean, they could pull the same stunt in this one, um, but I could see it being, you know, obviously Wilson Fisk is probably going to play some role in this. We might see Bullseye. We'll probably see Elektra. 
Well, I thought not, not not we might see Bullseye. We are going to see Bullseye. Like was that confirmed? I, I know Electra was confirmed. I don't know if Bullseye was confirmed. Like in in so much as Electra is confirmed, Bullseye is confirmed. Oh, okay. So and the other thing with Punisher is I'm just curious how you know how many how many central like actual like prominent central like super killers do you want? Oh, you got right. you got Punisher, Electra, and Bullseye. That's a lot. I'm not saying that you can't find a way to make it work. But it's like because it's Daredevil show and Punisher, you know, has kind of be, is a character that kind of earns his essentially his own show is the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want him to necessarily be stealing the the narrative away from Daredevil. Well, I don't mind him being an obstacle and a conflict to be overcome, but I don't want him to drag the plot towards Punisher territory. Now, you know what season two is going to be, though, right? With the way that this has all been shaping up. What? It's going to be William Fisk or somebody puts out a hit on daredevil and i mean because you have like bullseye electra punisher these are all mercenary types you know so i don't i couldn't see punisher being punisher's not really a mercenary he just goes around and kills gangbangers like well he also tried to kill spider-man that's true i'm trying to remember that issue but was he contracted to kill spider-man or he just thinks spider-man needed to die i'd have to go back and look you know but that'd be interesting if they kind of play him as a guy that has kind of this self-righteous mission to rid the world of all vermin. But, like, you know, when it comes to his own benefit, he, he makes compromising choices. I mean, the fact that he kills people kind mm-hmm. of makes him a hypocrite. But Well, hypocrite? How is he a hypocrite? He's killing killers. And yeah, well, but, he, but, but, he, but he's killing people that attack the innocent. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Dexter thing. I, I mean, I totally get it. But, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he... At some point, enough bodies have fallen that he's kind of lost the moral high ground. Especially when you're, you're when I mean, at least in, in comic book terms, mindless killing of every you know street corner drug dealer and and mm-hmm. you know rapist and 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 gang member or whatever doesn't necessarily solve the systemic problem of what kind of made them that mm-hmm. way in the first place. Uh, uh-huh. So you know, I'm not trying to get onto the serious note, but I'm just saying that. I forgot the original point. Um. <laughs> okay, so just kind of, you know, since without us getting all over the place, uh, when he first appeared in Spider-Man, he was determined to kill him because of the, his uh, apparent murder of Norman Osborn. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe there's going to be something where it appears that Daredevil has done some killing. Or I mean, maybe... I think they, they, they could, that he could be, Daredevil could be framed for some kind of murder. Um, maybe, well, I mean, Daredevil got framed for murders in... The first season was was he cleared of them? I don't know if he was ever cleared. Yeah, I don't so know. it could just be something where Punisher shows up and could see Daredevil as much a problem in Hell's Kitchen as everything else. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it seems like yeah, it's going to be a lot of people. You know, in season one, it was Daredevil going after folks. It seems like season two is going to be people coming after Daredevil. And another thing with Elektra. Obviously, Frank Miller is a heavy influence on on the show. What? And no. even if they introduce Electra and, and, and Bolza. I hope that it's not just like, you know, you get to like episode twelve or thirteen and it, they, they reenact the death of Electra by Bullseye from the comics. Like Electra, first of all, she wasn't meant to come back. Though it was Frank Miller that ultimately brought her back. I think it was kind of like well, I want to do it before someone else does it. Um but when he killed her in the comics, that was supposed to be that. And she really wasn't in that many comics. She was maybe in like a year's worth of stories, maybe. Yeah. So it's one of those things where 
her story was posted like she was this ex-girlfriend that came back. Oh, she's a super assassin. And uh, now she's dead. You know, but obviously she had such a huge impact that they wanted to bring her back. But even if they do kill her at some point in the future, I don't want it to be the main thrust of season two. I don't want it to be predictable the way that well, Maze Experiment Two was kind of like, oh yeah, Gwen Stacy's totally. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a lot that we can just sit here and we can say like, oh, it could be this, it could be that. I mean, we're really just we're speculating on nothing right now, aside oh, from the fact I, that I have inside information. Do you now? Yeah, called my brain, mm-hmm. which can see the future. Uh, okay then. Tell us, uh, tell us a future uh, event that we don't know about yet. Uh, David, you're gonna die someday. Uh, prove it is all I have uh, to say. So, any final thoughts on John Bernthal? Uh, I mean, final thoughts. I, I assume the guy's still alive. Um, <laughs> Do you have any last words to say? Uh, again, are we at his funeral? Uh, yes. Sir, uh, we're at his funeral. John Bernthal was cast as Frank Castle, the Punisher, and that's about as far as he got. Well, uh, he was a, a, uh, a gentleman... Uh, really, the intensity we saw in his screen persona uh, did not carry through on those uh, on those gentle Saturday afternoons we spent together. Um, the way he held me was was strong, but safe. Um, anyway, uh, kill Whitey. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so uh, speaking of cool. killing David, oh. I feel like you've maybe suffered a loss in in uh, your heart. I think there's a, a part of you that's that's gone missing. Is that true? Yes, let us all share now in the sadness that fills my heart at the announcement hey. that Constantine is officially done. Please bow your heads. Alright, it's not funny anymore. Um, (laughs) Moment of silence. Moment of silence has passed. So, unfortunately, after a long struggle, the executive producer, uh, Daniel uh, Cerrone, said on Twitter that the cast and writers of Constantine are being released from their contracts and the studio tried to find a new home but it didn't work. So. Yeah, I mean, that, did, you, did you watch all the episodes? I haven't, I still haven't seen all of the episodes. I will freely admit that. I saw probably about half the season. Um, yeah, you know, it really, and really when they were like, oh, we're going to look for a new, you know, a new studio for it, I felt that there that wasn't going to pan out. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody seemed to be clambering for it. Uh, and there wasn't, like, there wasn't really, like, a, you know, a lot of big buzz of, like, oh, we need to get this resurrected. We need to make sure this keeps going. It's like a couple people were like, yeah, you know, we'd love to see this happen. But I never really felt the the big energy behind it that needs to be there in keeping a show going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not surprised by this news. I pretty much assumed it to be true. But, uh, yeah. It's gone. It's done. Well, mm. I mean, 
fingers crossed, and this could be years down the line, I really hope that someone says, you know what, Constantine is a viable product, a friend, you know, mm-hmm. beat whatever. I, I really would like them to put it on, like, either Netflix or or HBO, Showtime, Stars, something like that. Something where they're not as pressured by the, the, the general audience mm-hmm. and that they could just make a show that, you know, you know, with Game of Thrones, like, it does a lot of stuff that, like, obviously you can't get away with on a, on, a, on network TV, and it's certainly not for everyone. But I think because it's able to push some of those envelopes, it, it makes people curious. Uh, and that's not that it's the whole reason. I just think Constantine is the kind of show that needs to be allowed to push the envelopes, and not sort of like a we push the envelopes as far as we could with PG thirteen. Like, yeah. you want to you want to push it, push it. Yeah, it's really hard too because in the networks they were on, it's like. You know, no matter how they did it, it was going to come off, especially in this first season, it was going to come off as, oh, it's supernatural, but it's it's just one guy. Exactly, yeah, supernatural with one guy. And um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, it, it, can't, it can't necessarily be procedural. Um, uh, being that we never actually finished our Constantine mega read, um, someday. Um, <laughs> It's gonna you happen. Know, I guess we don't have, you know. I think we, would, if maybe, if once we do that, we'll have a bigger appreciation for, excuse me, you know, how they could approach it narratively mm-hmm. on like a different network. But I'm just saying, I have hopes that in the future they'll do Constantine, you know, mature, um, push the envelope, you know, really dig deep, uh, and not necessarily feel like like a supernatural, you know, that doesn't feel like. You, even if it wasn't, that doesn't feel like it's kind of pandering to the supernatural crowd. Yeah. Or the Doctor. It was like supernatural and Doctor Who. Yeah, it didn't. You know, didn't have the time to find its legs. But unfortunately, in the world that it was emerging into, uh, there wasn't really any. You know, like any room for it to expand. Yeah, I will say that Matt Ryan, all things considered, pitch perfect looking Constantine. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Matt Ryan, pitch perfect would be. The perfect spot for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go to pitch perfect three. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, you know, I think it is a property that that obviously, you know, there was a movie, movie passed, and so it was like, hey, we can do a TV show out of this. Super great. So I think there is something about it that makes it, you know, come back. And I, I don't think we're, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Constantine, especially if this new comic run. Uh, does well or is any good um but it'll probably be a few years before the next uh, iteration steps up mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see in the meantime i'm just gonna uh cram myself to sleep continuously <laughs> poor david having a rough night it is a rough night <sighs> uh someone put i i don't think this is legit what i think this is fan-made but it's it was a picture of um, Bernthal and like Punisher getup with they, like the Daredevil logo. They haven't even started filming that yet. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they could have done screen tests for like the outfits. But not, I, not this. I think not this family. early. Not this early because they're still developed. I mean, they're still finishing up Jessica Jones, and then mm-hmm. um, they're going to pretend they're going to film Luke Cage while they film Daredevil season two, and then we're not going to get Defenders. It's just going to be Daredevil. <laughs> daredevil and oh uh five seconds of luke cage jessica and 
Iron Fist. Right. Which I think I, I had texted you that day. I'm really stoked for Iron Iron Fist. Now, I, just because I was finishing up the Iron Fist, the living weapon run, and I was like, oh, this could be so good. Please be good. Please be good. Please be good. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we've, we've talked on this show and we've said stuff like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. There's like eight different Spider-Mans or eight different Batmans. You know, people can kind of get it. I actually had a run-in with a with a, a friend of mine who is a very intelligent person who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doesn't really pay attention to geek culture. She's just kind of bouncing around. And she actually brought up that it's like it's getting confusing. Like, I don't really understand what's going on with, like, Spider-Man. So it was just, in, you know, interesting to actually encounter someone with that perspective. Mm-hmm. That these things are starting to get, you know, very big and very unwieldy in some ways. And it could be very... Uh, very confusing for the casual audience at times. I don't know, just a random thought. No, yeah, I, I mean, that's true. I remember when um, when Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, was coming out, um, Anna was telling me about, like, one of her coworkers, like, oh, I, or Anna was like, oh, I'm going to go see Spider-Man, or just like, oh, like, there's another one? Like, it's someone different? Like, how does that work? You know? Like, yeah. they don't understand that there's, like, infinite different versions of the characters and that you can reboot them and not be tied to the same continuity and yeah it's funny because for us um being in like the echo chamber it's like oh man everyone gets it like all of our friends on facebook understand because they're going to post stuff about it and they love it and it's super great but you know you get away like out of our groups and into people who don't really you know you know they know batman and superman and they probably know now like iron man and thor but they're not going to know you know the minutia of of all of these things and it's like are they you know, do they even care that there's new Spider-Man? Like, mm-hmm. are they going to be like, wait, it's a new guy? It's a different movie? Oh, wait, now he's he's with, like, the like the Avengers? But he wasn't mm-hmm. before? Like, what how is, does how that does that work? work? How does that work, man? Dude, where's my car? Dude, dude where's my helicarrier? <laughs> oh, no, dude. it's crashed oh, again. God. Oh, my God. Samuel, or Nick Fury. Um, crap, what's his name? Phil Coulson. Phil, Phil Coulson. Like high, stoned out of their minds, trying to find a helicarrier that they lost. Like, and in the last panel, like you know, it's a little mini thing, but the last page is like, oh yeah, that's where we left it, and it shows the helicarrier like crashed into like a building, burning. Uh, dude, dude, where's my helicarrier? Dude, where's my helicarrier? I'm in. Uh, we're gonna kickstart that. Uh, look yeah. for it right now. Bare minimum, it's gonna be the title of our episode. Dude, where's my helicarrier? Yep, I should throw that into the show notes. Uh, so um, I remember that. Sandman's dead, but s- sorry. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait! A botch the transition there, Nick. <laughs> Constantine is dead, but Sandman is very much alive, and apparently is going to be a spectacular action film with no punching. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting description. So. Um, it's very slow going on this movie, but this this comes directly from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, he was saying that he was having a uh, conversation with Neil Gaiman. And, you know it's Gaiman, right? Like, it's gay man. Like, gay man. It's uh, Gaiman. Neil Hold Gaiman. on. Hold on. You can't be right on that. You mispronounce everything. Yeah, but I can be right by about at least one thing. Let me see how to pronounce. Neil uh, Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Uh, um, I don't know where an interview would be. No. 
So by now, unless you are living on the moon, uh, you've heard about I'm right. On his official website, he actually has an FAQ, and it says, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it gay man or guy, guy man or something else? And he says it's gay man. All right, well, it's not it's gay actually, man. Sorry, it's, it's not gay, gay man. man. It's gay man. Yeah, it's so you're, you're, just, you're pronouncing it all weird. All right, so Neil, gay man. You're, you're still wrong, and I'm closer than you were. Yeah, but yours is weirder. Uh, all right, Neil Gaiman then uh, said to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, don't have any punching, because he never does. Essentially, if you read the comics, Morpheus doesn't punch anybody. That's not what he does. It's going to be like a grand, spectacular action film but that relies on none of the same old, ordinary cliches. So well, that's why it's taking a lot of time to write, but it's going to be really good. I it's, mean, when you think about it, like, Sandman... It's not a superhero comic. I know initially it kind of started within the DCU and you saw some superheroes, but it's mm-hmm. not your typical blockbuster. And I hope they don't. And I mean, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt involved, he's the kind of guy that straddles like the art, the art, artsy side and yeah. the mainstream side. And I think if they're going to do the film, like really lean into the the visceral visuals of it all. Like it's going to be it's going to be a visual masterpiece, but it doesn't you know it's it can't it's not supposed to be like the, the your typical action movie plot well no and it, he to- totally seems to respect that but he does go like on all these adventures he does like it's yeah, it's he, an adventure it's a i don't know a never-ending story a labyrinth you know but with like an you know kind of a mix between like surrealist and like urban fantasy mm-hmm. depending on you know what where to what time you know his like, place and you know morpheus's theater of war is in the mind it's in dreams yeah um so it's got to be kind of an LSD trip. Yeah, I think I think this movie is going to if it, you know, gets the high budget treatment is going to kind of feel like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. To a lot of like comic book superhero movies. You know, it's going it, to make it, no money. It's God, that's so disappointing, but you're right. Well, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, depending on who gets cast in the lead role and if they kind of really, you know, push Joseph Gordon-Levitt's name on it, I think it could do all right. I mean, I mean, you know, we don't even have a release date yet. Thank God. Yeah. Um, you know, let this movie take the time it needs to. And I love that they're taking time with it. That you know, this is this is the, they want to do it right. Um, I'm so curious about what what storyline they're going to go with. If it's going to be something out of the comics, or if it's going to be something else entirely. I don't know. I, don't I just know. like it's like I want. I don't want it to be too artsy. But I'd rather be more to like the artsy independent film side than sort of like your mainstream blockbuster side. Yeah. I want blockbuster elements, but I really want them to like tell, you know, not follow the formula, tell a unique story, mm-hmm. you know, do it creatively, put in all the freaking pretentious, you know, whatever shots. Like, don't settle for just like your typical well action and, drama. And uh, and and JGL, as his friends call him. Um, well, they don't, which is uh, why I'm not his friend. Uh, you know, he says in his little thing that it's going to rely on none of the same old ordinary cliches. So I think, you know, that's saying kind of that direction of it's like, you don't want it to just be it's like, oh, well, he's not going to punch anyone, but the giant sand creature he creates is going to happen. And there's going to be a giant epic battle for no reason with armies marching against each other. I guess I'm less concerned with the, like the creed that the, 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 the the central creative types, but like the the executive types, we're gonna see this and be like, I don't get it, and be like, make edits. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they seem, you know, so far we haven't heard anything like that. 
that people I mean, aren't but it's, it's not like they've had anything filmed you know yeah like, I feel like it's the kind of thing that was happening with Amazing Spider-Man which was the executives kind of looked at it and were just like I don't like what I'm seeing or I don't get it or I mean I don't know what the original cut was going to look like but yeah I don't uh, I, I you know I I, th- I feel like because they're being so upfront with this before stuff happens that um, you know maybe there will be like more support and more backlash if studio execs decide to get really involved and try to like uh, neuter everything. Mm-hmm. That's my hope anyway. Is that this stays awesome and righteous? Because uh, uh, the world needs you know I just want it to look as '90s as humanly possible. Well, well, 80s, I should say. Like, 80s, 90s, as seemingly possible. Because if you read that comic, now you're like, man, they really thought these styles were going to work out. Uh, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, you even pay attention to me at this point? Something, something, dark side. Something, something, something complete. <laughs> something, something complete. Uh, um, James Wan. James Wan. James Aquawan. Aquawan. James Wan is going to be directing Aquaman. What did James Wan do before? Was he uh, Fast and the Furious 7? Yeah, he was. Well, Furious 7. That's just what it's called. Sorry. Uh, isn't he working on Furious 8? I think he's like loosely attached to it. There's really nothing uh, sold about that movie yet. Yeah. Um, Paul Walker's dead. Oh, man. Why would you say that? Because it's true. So, okay... Really interesting little resume for this guy. Uh, guess guess what other stuff he's directed. Uh, is this the quiz? Uh, sh- sure. Uh, I have no idea. So, uh, he, of course, did Furious 7. Um, before that, Insidious Chapter 1 and 2. Uh, and then also The Conjuring. And then a little film called Saw. Oh, he did do Saw. Yeah. Which is like the only good one. Yeah, to his credit, if you actually look at like his movies and like the scores of them and stuff, are all pretty well made. People, you know, enjoy his movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, all horror films. That's gonna be interesting. I mean, not that well, Aquaman's I mean, gonna be a horror film, but I feel like he's he's definitely gonna bring an edge to it. If this if it was just horror films that he was coming in with, I'd be a little like nervous, but the fact that he did Furious Seven Yeah. You know, which is the big exciting action flick, you know, I think proves that he's got the chops to be able to handle that. Yeah. Um, very cool. I think he's going to bring a, a fun style to it. Kurt Russell was in Furious 7. I think he was one of the bad guys. Yeah, his name was Mr. Nobody. That's never usually a good guy called Mr. Nobody. <laughs> and, uh, hmm, how was how Gal Gadot in it? How is she? Like, is she good? Or well, no, like, she's I mean, been in the last few of them. Well, have you have you watched them? I've watched a few of them. She supposedly dies in the sixth one. Thanks for ruining it. Well, okay, the movies don't Wait, make sense. I, th- I swear, I've seen the sixth one. Have I not seen the, the sixth, sixth one? one? Uh, like that has that really long plane chase. No, I maybe I haven't seen. Okay, that. so I think I've seen five. I've seen one, three, four, and five. The fifth one is good. I like the fifth one. Fifth uh, one was good. Seventh one was apparently pretty good. Fourth was okay. I love Tokyo Drift. I started I with Tokyo Drift. So, okay, so Tokyo Drift, Han dies, right? 
Yes. Uh, and basically they rewind and then eventually you catch up to Han's death in, in, with, I think, in, Fury in, 7. In, no, in between 6 and 7 he dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. like, 6, there's, like, a little after credit scene and it's and, it's that his death scene. And it's, and like, I, apparently Jason Statham killed him. Isn't Lucas Black in Furious 7? Lucas Black? Lucas Black was the actor who was kind of the, the new Vin Diesel or Paul Walker in Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift was oh, about Lucas Black. I think he... Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, I... Don't remember him because he has not been on anything else memorable. Because I think because when you, when uh, when you get to the end of Tokyo Drift, which like besides Han, who I don't even know if he was in, he wasn't in Fast and Furious one. No, and he, he wasn't. He must have been in two. No, he wasn't. Han was only in three. Oh, because that's when still like each movie kind of had its own separate thing going. Oh, I didn't know that. I just because when I saw it, it, it seemed like Han was a previous character, and then I saw four, Mm-mm. and it was like, oh yeah, Han was part of the gang, and I was like, is Han was, in now, four? And, and going back, you're like, he wasn't part of the gang in one and two. No, is Han in four? I thought Han was just in. Um, he was in four, and I think he was in five. He was in five. I remember him in five. And he he either wasn't in six, or they just revisited his death at the end of six. No, um, he was he was in six. They just. Go, go so if they so if they catch back up, then I mean tech. So probably, and I haven't seen. Have you seen seven? I have not seen seven yet. So what they and this is all speculation. Um, I I'm assuming because at the end of Tokyo Drift, Lucas Black meets Vin Diesel. So it's very possible that they kind of they pick up by the with well, the end of Tokyo Drift, and then you know uh, you know why he was in that movie, right? Who uh, Vin Diesel? You know why he was in um, Tokyo Drift? Why? To get the rights to Riddick. He's, he agreed to appear just so they get the rights? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then I, they got him to come back for future films anyway. Because I don't think they thought it was going to blossom into a franchise. I mean... No. Given that, that after the second one, they had a completely new cast, you know... Yeah, no, I... I was I, he in the second one, too? He was not... Um, you know, okay, full disclosure, I've never seen the second one, because nobody in their right mind would watch Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna look it up on IMDb, because right now people are loving that this is where our conversation has gone entirely. He is not listed. Yeah, I know Paul Walker is. But yeah, I guess he's not in it. Yeah, it was like Paul Walker, uh, Tyrese Gibson. I think that I don't think he was in the first one, so I think he comes in, in the second yeah. one. Yeah, well, pretty and much. Then Ludacris. I, mean, I think that's where those three guys come in. Devin Aoki was in it. Well, Paul Walker was in the first one. No, I know Paul Walker was. Okay, bro, calm down. But so um, I th- yeah, I think like the whole idea in the second one was like Paul Walker's doing it again. Yeah, uh, like being just... undercover agent Brian, whatever his name, Brian O'Connor. Brian O'Connor. Oh, man. Um, what were we talking about that got uh, us Googling? We were talking about James Wan to direct Aquaman. Okay. okay, so we're not too far off the mark there. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 but Jason Momoa is super stoked James Wan is directing Aquaman. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, when yeah. you have an actor that loves the fact that they're working with a director they like. Yeah, and it seems good. it seems like this is kind of uh, you know James Wan's like moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. So Warner Brothers snapped him up for it, and you know you you have a a director who's who's pretty hot right now, and you have a star who, I mean, I you guess don't people want to mess with. Yeah, I guess people are all about um, Jason Momoa. I mean, Jason Momoa has actually been around for a while, but what has he really done since Game of Thrones? Has he just been waiting, waiting, just waiting to be Aquaman? He's done other stuff. Um... Um, 
Man. But I Game of Thrones. He's a handsome, handsome devil. Did he? Conan the Barbarian oh, was in 2011, was so he was kind of doing Game of Thrones and Conan the Barbarian around the same time. He was in Drunk History. Um, but yeah, he hasn't yeah, really he, I guess he really big. hasn't been doing a lot. What, what, what was he? Was he like a wrestler or something? Um, it's a great question. Uh, again, another line of questioning that people are going to love us going down tangents, but we're going to find out. Uh, what what's what's up with with uh, Jason Momoa there? We're he was gonna... on a show called The Red Road. He was also on Baywatch. Bullets ahead. Yeah. Oh, he was on Baywatch. He was on Baywatch for like three years. So I think he's just kind of done some small roles, and then he was doing this TV show called The Red Road, and then he basically he's been tied up with Batman v Superman and he Justice a, League and all that. Uh, he was a model, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, good for him. He was a marine biology major. Cool, cool. Wildlife biology. Interesting. Hmm. Cool dude. Cool dude. Oh, he had uh, dreadlocks. Interesting. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. He's currently starring in the Sundance TV series The Red Road. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So uh, they're remaking The Magnificent Seven, which have you ever seen that? No. So The Magnificent Seven, have you ever uh, heard of The Seven Samurai? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that movie. So, oh, this is the cowboy version of it. Yeah, uh, which I've I've seen the old one and it's it's super rad. I really like it. Uh, but they're remaking it, I guess, with a really interesting cast of Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio, and then other people. Uh, Peter Skarsgård is in it, and Matt Bomer. Huh. Um, yeah, I'm super super jazzed about that. I like westerns. Westerns Woo. when done when done well are well. Or swell. Uh, I should say swell. 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 Swell, swell. Uh, um, other, oh, uh, I didn't put this on here, but we should uh, probably... Well, I feel like these other these last couple of news stories we're just going to touch on and be like, so these happened. Uh, Jessica Jones is no longer AKA Jessica Jones. She is now just Jessica Jones. Which, to be fair, they've gone back and forth on that a few times. I just, I mean, I understand that they, they weren't going to call it Alias because there was the Alias TV show. That, but I mean, I feel like they could have just called it Jessica Jones from the get-go. Adding an AKA didn't make it seem more appealing. It seemed like she was somebody else, and now she's Jessica Jones. Yeah, Would, I mean, I guess I think that was the reason. It was like she's a, like she's not a superhero anymore. She's AKA Jessica Jones. She's a person beyond that superhero. But we but don't know her. Most as a people superhero. weren't cared. Yeah, her superhero identity is called Jewel. By the way, is it really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and Barry Allen supposedly getting a new love interest boo. Uh, in season two. Boo. Why are you saying boo? Because it's just going to be unnecessary drama. Well, it's a CW show. What did you expect? Unnecessary drama is their middle name. Because it's like, hey, they kind of cleared up the Iris stuff. And now it's like, oh, now we need to take it to the next level. Well, yeah, well, Iris is grieving over Eddie. Barry can get some strange. Okay, so he's going to go, like, hook up with this girl, and, like, they're going to be together, and then, like, she's going to start moving on, even though Eddie Thon's probably going to come back to life because Speed Force. And, it's, you know, it's going to be like, oh, man, like, I, I really love Barry now that I've moved on after six episodes. And Barry's going to be like, but I'm with this new girl, but I secretly love Iris. And then there's going to be, like, trouble with the relationship, and they're going to have this conversation where the new girl is like, I know you still love Iris, and it's okay, because you can't stand in the way of love, Speed Force, and then, like, disappear into the Speed Force or something. I'm assuming the Speed Force will be a character, 
by be, season two. Be forced like, the character. Just a guy walking around. He's going to like share a, a room with Barry Allen. They're going to be <laughs> wacky roommates. Barry and Speed Force. I'd watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, the easy route is basically what you just described, and it's terrible. <laughs> I... Well, first off, the way it's describing her, for, I, she's apparently a... Um, she's The source material is Super Friends, Wendy Harris. Uh, I think she has a brother on the Super Friends, too. Uh, I also think that either her or her brother were eaten by their dog, who was the team mascot, in a Teen Titans comic from a few years ago. Awesome. Um, and... Um, and it sounds like they're playing her up as like the like the the Flash Felicity, which okay, if she's a hacker, then you know it's super obvious. If she's super sciencey about something else, then okay. But if I, I don't mean, hack, I'm sorry. I really the, like botany. The season, the season finale of Flash, as insofar as like the character relationships go, like Eddie dying, um, you know, you, very much mirrored. Why Arrow would you bring that back one. up, what? Nick? Why would you bring up Eddie dying again? Nick, I'm sorry. I'm ah, sorry. I'm why sorry. would you do that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Eddie. <laughs> Eddie's gone. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, so you were saying your your crackpot theory that it mirrors Arrow season it's, one. That, that I mean the 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 lazy route would be that it just kind of the character relationships mirror Arrow. So it's like they're going to introduce Wendy, who you know, first off they introduce Linda Park. And Linda Park basically fit the description you just gave, um, or de- the, your detailed narrative. So apparently Linda's <laughs> gone, and we're going to get this Wendy girl, and she's going to be, like, totally cute and spunky and fun, and and maybe, like, slightly hotter than Iris, and it's just going to, you know, in your right, it's going to cause some kind of drama. But I think it would be cool if he meets her while he's in a different reality. That would be cool. That would be interesting, interesting indeed. I'm, yeah, I'm wondering how far they're gonna take that. How far they're gonna be, you know, just let let them run wild with Barry running through different dimensions. I mean, at least for the first few episodes, yeah, cause, I think. Because we know, like, somehow he's gonna save this timeline, but like, is our thing is gonna be a little bit different where? Eddie Thon never shot himself, and thus Eobard is still around, but they found another way to stop him, so Tom Cavanaugh's contract is not breached. Um, uh, you know, I, I, because we know that Caitlin Snow is going to become Killer Frost. And, you know... Oh, maybe she's Caitlin Frost just in a different in a different reality. Uh, well, I, they do, they do, I mean, they I would, I would, I would might have that. some metahuman powers i don't think they but besides seeing the the um the killer frost thing which could be in a different reality um it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be in that reality especially if she's going to be a villain like unless it's like mind control i just don't know how they're going to you know she's such a sweet almost innocent character like what's going to change her well we don't necessarily i mean we don't necessarily see her doing anything evil I mean, I don't know, she just looks cold and evil. And her name's Killer Frost. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I, I wouldn't like it if it was just like, oh, man, we're going to do all this really cool, fun stuff in alternate dimensions so it has no bearing on the actual universe. Like, there, There is a charm to that because they can get away with a lot. But I also would hate if they were like, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it just it's not actually happening. Mm-hmm. Did you get the picture I just sent you? I did. That's horrifying. 
Yeah. So Wonder Dog eats Marvin. Mm. If people if people want to Google that, they can find it themselves. Yep. Wonder Dog eats Marvin. Wonder, it's on Google. Check it out. Wonder Dog goes Cujo is uh what this file is called. Uh, last little bit of news is that we have our first official synopsis for Batman v Superman, um, which I think it's word for word what everybody already assumed. Fearing the actions of a godlike superhero left unchecked, Gotham City's own formidable, forceful vigilante takes on Metropolis's most revered modern-day savior while the world wrestles with what sort of hero it really needs. And with Batman and Superman at war with one another, a new threat quickly arises, putting mankind in great danger, in greater danger than it's ever known before. Dun, dun, dun. First half of the movie is Batman and Superman fighting it out, being like, oh, I don't know why we're doing this. And then the second half, Lex Luthor distracts them, probably by releasing like Doomsday or something. And then they have to fight Doomsday. And that opens it up for uh, the uh, the Justice League. Yep. With there you go. Fine I by just, me. I just spoiled Batman v Superman. Yeah, sorry. And I haven't even seen it. Well, no, no, no. It's going to be, like, it's not going to be Doomsday. It's going to be Brainiac. Well, you're going to think it's Brainiac for a while. But it's going to turn out it's not really Brainiac. It's, it's just, really a horse. Yeah. But it's not really a horse. It's actually it's, it's a broom. A, it's actually a broom. Um, no, see, it's like not going to be Brainiac because it's being controlled by this other creature who is actually Brainiac? Well, until they get there, and then it's like, haha, I'm just a clone of Brainiac. The real Brainiac's over there. And it's like a guy behind a curtain, like, controlling this whole thing. But you're like, oh, no, that's not the real Brainiac. You know, I could go on for a while here. The Brainiac saga. Yeah, the Brainiac. It might as well be the Brainiac saga. And you know what? And you know what? Even though they've revealed the Brainiac in future's end slash convergence there's gonna be you know somewhere somewhere down the line there's going to be another brainiac which i love like it's almost a joke at this point and i i i kind of dig it i think it's great that it's like yeah now this is brainiac until it's not (laughs) this was this was god brainiac but you know what there's super god brainiac there's then gonna be anti-brainiac or there'll be like planet Brainiac it'll just be a planet even though like he comes from the planet Kolu they'll just be like planet Brainiac right it'll be like no like his his planet uh, was actually him and so all the Brainiacs that are walking around just evolved out of uh, Brainiac planet it's gonna happen we got to write this David planet Brainiac the next awesome Superman saga I'm really just gonna sit downstairs until my checks start arriving (laughs) just wait for them yep alright um any other, what, any, anything else? Uh, nope. Great. Well, let's talk about stuff that came out this week then. From the poll list. From the poll list, whatever it's called. Yep. Yeah, so lots of good stuff, like last week and good, like, and this week. I literally uh, was looking at my wall. I'm like, everything I pick up, it comes out right now, this second. And, like, I'm excited, but also my wallet is weeping. Um, well, it is hurt. Where, where should, I mean, you didn't get to read a lot this week, unfortunately. Yeah, life, you know, work, something. Yeah. So, uh, so shall I say to you? To the Batmobile. Let's go. And let us discuss Batman number forty-one. Batman number forty-one. The yeah. beginning of the Robo Bunny Bat Saga. 
Yeah, you gotta love that they acknowledge it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of obvious. I mean, did you think that he wrote that line after all the stuff online? Like, they went back and edited it, or... Um, I don't know, it could have been in the script. I mean, I, I think he does do some retailering afterwards, so... You know, it's good. Oh, and like I love the cover, just like seeing that it cover from, is from so behind. Great. Something about the the way the bio. Some scenes, the way it looks in motion or standing still, like say the scene where he mentions the Robo Bunny bat. Um, I'm looking at that so, right so, now. I actually really like that shot. You know, it, it that actually is one of the better shots. I think the the where it seemed a little awkward was in the beginning when he does the initial dropping down. Yeah. It almost didn't seem like Capullo was drawing it. It seemed like a different artist. It just the the monster looked cool, but something about the armor seemed off. Um, but yeah. but in most scenes, it looks it looks cool. And I I, re, I this is I mean this is like Superior Spider Man in a way all over again. This is such a Gonzo way to do it that I mean like you just have to have fun with it. And there was something very much fun about this book. Like there's something fun, but there's also this real like seriousness to it that I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, the, that that scene on the rooftop when um, Harvey and and Jim are talking about the whole situation, and it's you know it's very much like oh, I can't do this. You know I'm 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 too old. It's like I'm not going to do it. And then you know one of the guys who's being considered for the Batman program comes up. It's like oh yeah, I came up here to talk to my 11th month old kid, and like they give each other this look, and it's like okay, it has to be you because all these. People are young and they have stuff to live for, and, and, you and your daughter's grown up and like yeah. And your you, son is a as a serial killer. So. You're expendable, Jim. Yeah, well, like um, I, I just really like that moment. Um, I think my one big regret about this is that he doesn't keep the mustache. I get that like he's a marine and like he totally in like the six months between him being offered the role and him kind of going out for the first time, I just. I well, don't really care for the haircut. Like, I get he's living with the whole Marine thing. But he, even if he just had kind of, like, a buzzed hair, and but, like, kept the mustache. Well, Because now okay. we, don't, we don't get bat mustache. And yeah, I'm very, very sad but, about that. Well, because the mustache is, is very recognizable, I think. And also, it would get really, like, in the way. But, you know, there's also that whole thing where he's out of the suit. That's true. And I mean, that was the a fact that he does have a bat suit, which is actually kind of a cool bat suit. I really like that bat suit. I like the symbol. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, I like it. Um, yeah, that, that was that, that was surprising because they made it seem like, oh yeah, like Batman's this big tank now, and it's like, well, in a way, yes, but also, no. Blew my mind. <laughs> um, but I mean, how awesome would it have been if there was just like a mustache sticking out from underneath it? I would have loved it. Don't get me wrong. Would have been amazing. Okay, how long did Oliver Queen get by with just a domino mask? Well, but while still maintaining his the Van Dyke, the Van Dyke, um, whatever it's called, perhaps not long enough. <laughs> it was like, and then I ran for the mayor of Star City, and people still didn't figure it out. Um, you know, while we're on the subject, I know we're you know we're kind of in Batman talk, and we can uh, circle back around to this. But you read Batman v Superman today, right? I did. So I haven't read it, but I, I read um, a couple pages where Lex Luthor and and Bat or no, Batman and um, Clark Kent kind of have like a confrontation. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that scene where, um, 
you know, Lex Luthor can't comprehend that Clark Kent is is Superman, and especially like right now, standing before him, he's bleeding. You know, oh yeah, sure, you look like him, but you you know you can't be him because you're not, you know, you're not that god. Yeah, like it's the, like it's, this isn't force. even opportunistic for me. It fe- it feels like a trap. Yeah, and just like that, his that his ego and his and his hubris is like my only worthy enemy is is you know, it, like indestructible. And look at you, you're pathetic. Clark Kent is a loser. You know, I, it, you are not. You are not Superman. I just thought it was really great. Yeah, the the issue Batman Superman was good. Gordon only it, he basically comes in at the beginning and then the end. Um, you don't you don't actually even like mention that it's Gordon. Bat, Bruce, I'm oh, sorry. Clark can't basically show is like look trying to find Bruce because I forget like Bruce would be able to help him with part of his current predicament. And when he gets to Gotham, that's where he kind of intervenes with like a bank robbery. Comes across Batman, uh, the new Batman, finds out, t- ends up talking to Alfred, and then like by the end, he, he apparently steals one of Bruce's bat cycles and then paints it red, and then he's gonna ride around on a red bat cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was basically it. It was the Lex Luthor scene was good. Um, the issue overall was was okay. Um, True, I thought, I thought Truth. Was gonna, I, the way it was described in one of the interviews was that like each book kind of works independently on its own, and I guess that's true. But at least in the two issues I've read so far, which I realize, given how many issues this is going to take place in, you know, are not a lot. They've already been like in in um, action comics. It was like make sure you read Superman number forty one and number forty two, and then in this issue it was like make sure you read action comics number forty two, you know, okay, to get so- more about a certain detail. And it's like what. So okay, so here, so let's do an experiment here because you're going to kind of be reading them all. Um, I, however, am not on any of the Superman books, so give me one of them that I should pick up through the Truth storyline, and we'll see. Um, well, I guess if you want to go with the main one, pick up Superman. Which well, uh, I guess each each book. So, so supposedly, like Batman Superman is going to deal with Clark Kent and the new Batman. Um, Superman Wonder Woman obviously is going to deal with Superman and Wonder Woman um, Action Comics is going to deal with, with action and the new Superman with who? with action and the new Superman <laughs> with, with action um, I think there's someone else who's supposed to be in Action Comics I'm looking at. they do introduce a new character named Lee Lambert in that that I think I mentioned previously yeah yeah it's all LLs it's all the um, way down and then Superman, though, is going to deal with Lois Lane, with Superman and Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get kind of the skinny on why Lois did what she did, then you want to check out Superman. So, David, I'd say read Superman. Okay. If, if you're going to pick up one of the books, pick up right. Superman. Well, I'm just saying you, you can give any of them to me, and we'll see if they can stand on their own. That's the experiment. Okay. We'll do it. All right. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about Batman, though, which came out Batman. this week. Um flipping through here i really like the part when he's talking to the, the guy who designed the suit mm-hmm. and it's like oh no look at all the different like ways they can change colors and it's all these color schemes from like different batman stories mm-hmm. you have like the uh, the frank miller fat bat symbol uh you have like the classic you know yellow shield you have the um zorin r and then i can't remember what that last one is but uh is that just like it's current? sleeveless oh it's the it's it's a uh, zero year is it where was he sleeping? Oh, the, the, yeah, pink, the, pur- the, purple the purple gloves. gloves. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, okay. That oh, that's works. why. Oh, he's got like a little baby symbol next to it. 
yeah, there was a lot of stuff about this issue that was really a lot of fun. Um, I thought without without getting goofy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's on one hand when you have when you have like Bruce Wayne Batman because he just kind of looked like I'll bet a very muscular, athletic guy in a you know in a suit. Like he was still pretty ground level. Mm-hmm. Having this sort of tank bat, um, you know, makes it seem like a little overkill if he's just rushing in to stop your average bank robbery. Yeah. So having him fight like a bioelectric monster projection thing is you know is very comic booky on the the the, the more superhero side, but it makes more sense given the escalation of how this Batman is. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I really like you know he's in this situation. He doesn't fully understand how to do everything. He doesn't like fully get it. But because of who he is, because he's more experienced, he doesn't like shy away. You know, mm-hmm. he's like he he figures stuff out really quick. He's still that detective that mm-hmm. we want out of Batman. Yeah, I mean he's he he I mean he is Bontorosa. He embodies the best aspects of Batman while still being sort of the average Joe. That was some of the things I liked. Like he's like musing about how he wasn't sure if he left the stove on. Yeah. Um, and just and then like Harvey kind of being like you can't smoke, right? You're gonna have to get LASIK. You have to get LASIK. Like you know, Batman never had to worry about this stuff. And I like that the when the powers uh, come, which I think at the end of Endgame, powers uh, the, the powers company ended up merging with Wayne, didn't it? I think so. I think it did. But when you see like the other Bat people training, and they've got like, um, I just thought that was kind. of, It was like you guys are gonna train. We're gonna make you train in bat suits. I mean, it makes sense. You have to get yeah. used to wearing that. Get into know? the... That's true. You got to learn how to fight with the mask on. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I just thought a lot of the little... There's like the little flourishes in the book. What, what, the little character moments, were, which was what I thought was really nice. Yeah, I think this is a, a storyline that um, they were very quick to prove they had a grasp of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's, you know, it's really far-fetched, but it's like, hey, we're going to do this from the best way possible. Yeah. That's, it's actually made me really excited it um, is. It's, it's literally one of those things like, listen, we get it's ridiculous. The characters think it's ridiculous. The guy, yeah. the guy at the center of it all thinks it's ridiculous. But if you just take a step back, see how all the pieces fit together, you're going to have a fun ride. And that's really what kind of drew me to, again, Superior Spider-Man. This really is a spiritual successor of Superior Spider-Man where you take the last person you think of to be Spider-Man or to be Batman, and then you find out, like, actually, this could work. Mm-hmm. So now the ending kind of raises an interesting question that they haven't really approached um, of how long is this going to last? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the last panel is somebody looking at a guy on a bench and he says, oh, Bruce Wayne. And, you know, we don't see the face, so we don't know if it actually is Bruce Wayne. I, I think it'd be hilarious if the next book just started with the guy being like, oh, oh my mistake. And then walking off and it's just some random guy on a bench. It's uh, Joker cut off Batman's face right. and then was wearing it. <laughs> um, so, you know, we don't know how long this is supposed to go for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a permanent thing. I'm hoping it's not just like a, a six-issue story, though Capullo has shown that, you know, he, his stories can go anywhere from like six issues to 18. Mm-hmm. So we could get this, you know, Gordon Bat for a year for, you know, a few months. I'm hoping we get a good stretch with it to really explore it and play around with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not I, just a, a quick one and done situation. I'm looking at commissioner Sawyer. I thought the way that she was drawn was a little weird. Like first off I get that she's a lesbian. So 
but so part of it's just like and I, she's always had a short haircut but like if you look at her real quick she looks more like an emaciated man that's a woman than a woman yeah when they say commissioner sawyer she's like the girlfriend of batwoman uh, i can kind of see it now yeah like you kind of like okay that could be a woman but like when i first looked at it, i was like that's not how commissioner sawyer lo- usually looks i mean it just it just came out. and then i was looking at another uh the page and this is actually one of my favorite pages um when he's stepping back into the bat suit as oh, yeah. you see you see commissioner Sawyer in the background and she just looks like an emaciated boy just kind of weird hmm you know, but I mean, all the power to oh, and that bottom panel where you see the silhouette kind of, of people saluting of, of him saluting, yeah, yeah, that like, was that's dope. This is also like the best way for us to explore, like, what if Bruce Wayne, you know, and they even say it pretty explicitly in here, like, what if Batman worked within the system? Because mm-hmm. that's not really a storyline where like Bruce Wayne's not going to like begrudgingly accept, like, oh, maybe I should do things, I should bag all my evidence and tag everything correctly and give it over to the police. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and that's again because he's wearing a mecha suit. So when you think about the kind of situations he'd be called in for, like, you know, he's honestly going to bend down and like bag evidence, right? But I don't know. It's really cool. This really is like this really is like the opposite in a lot of ways of the Batman we know, Mm -hmm. while still having all the best parts of it. One thing I think is interesting is that they have this whole thing like the public's not going to know who Batman is. And obviously, when it was Bruce Wayne, like he he was an, an autonomous individual, not operating under any supervision. Uh-huh. So, like, yeah, he could hold on to his identity because he wasn't forced by anyone to reveal it. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't answering to anyone. But in this case, like, I just think about the things I hear, like on the news and the things people like complain about, and the idea that like you know, at this they have someone who is like being paid to do this, who's working for both the city and is technically an associate of the powers company and being like, we don't get to know who this person is. You know, it's fine. It's like we is, it's like, we didn't have a choice with the previous Batman. God love them. But like, at this point, like you're saying, like you're still going to withhold their identity to keep the air of mystery. And that one to me, it's not so much like I, I could see them proposing it. Like we're going to keep your identity secret. Well, Cause Batman's and, and, a symbol. I, and I get that, but I, I could see certain people in influential positions kind of railing against it, being like, I don't I don't think it's appropriate for only a few people to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really liked Julia Perry, um, who's not totally at all uh, Alfred Stoddard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, she came highly recommended from Lucius Fox, and we picked her because she has, no has had zero association with Batman. <laughs> like that, that... Yeah. That part was really funny to me. At first I was just like, I was like, oh, that is Julia. And then they later on when they do the whole Julia Perry thing, I was like, oh, cool. I wonder when we're going to see Alfred in this book. Yeah. Like what his reaction is to the whole thing. Well, and the, and the fact that Julia is there under an assumed name makes me think there's something else. Like there's other stuff going on here that we don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, that like I think Bruce Wayne will play a part in this storyline. But I honestly want it to be that Bruce Wayne was has been lurking in the background and like anticipated all this. Like no, I don't think he anticipated any of I, this. I feel like I feel like Julia is more like his eyes and ears. But I don't. But I, at the same time, it, I mean, it depends on how you know. Would Bruce Wayne, if he was like perfectly healed, perfectly fine, would he actually sit out all of this action? Not just what's going on in Gotham and the stuff 
related to the direct fallout of Endgame. Well, maybe but he's just not anywhere. Fine. Like, would he, would, you know, if the world was in peril, would he be sitting out, you know, a huge Justice League level threat? That's sort of one of my questions. Like, you know, unless he's doing something else that's important, would he also leave Dick Grayson hanging in the wind with no support? Because um, now that you think about it, Dick Grayson has zero um, support system while he's uh, infiltrating Spiral. Uh, he's got uh, uh, Mid- Midnighter bouncing around. Uh, yeah. they, I don't think they were ever teammates. They were always no. antagonists. Yeah, I, in, you know, you do raise an interesting question there. It's like Bruce Wayne would never. Uh, he wouldn't sit this out, right? And and you have, you have to think that they would have thought of that in writing mm-hmm. this book. And I'm sure they have. You know, there's going to be a reason. Hopefully, it's not uh, contrived and, and terrible. But mm-hmm. I, I'm sure we will have a, a reason by the end of this book of why Bruce Wayne. I mean, maybe he is currently in really bad condition, which has never stopped Batman before, but who knows? Yeah, what like what is Alfred doing right now? They never really mention if Bruce Wayne is like missing. Though that does seem implied by that guy's reaction at the end. Oh, Bruce, oh, Bruce Wayne? Wayne. Like I assume that is their story would be something as simple as like, oh, Bruce Wayne, you know, doing his charity work over in uh Switzerland where Yeah, uh, so when he died the last time it was sort of like they're like, How do we explain Bruce Wayne not being around and it was like it basically it kind of Tom uh Tommy Tommy Elliot kind of walked in and was like, Look guys, I got facial reconstruction surgery to look like Bruce Wayne. Right. So I'm gonna play this part. And then yeah, the, I, uh, I I do remember the scene where I think it was Paul Dini was writing it. Um it may have been Streets of Gotham, it may have been Detective Comics. And it basically like Tommy Elliott thought he was being so clever by infiltrating Bruce Wayne's life and taking over the company, and then a bunch of superheroes just show up and are just like, "We're gonna watch we everything will screw you do." You up, yeah. If you step out of line, I thought that was good. That is good. I kind of want. I wish I can. I wish DC would release a, a Marvel Unlimited type service. I would totally pay for both of them you've, every you've, month. You've got to think they've got something in the works, man. You would think. I I don't understand. I, I know that they've historically been much more tightly controlled on their stuff, but there's so much DC stuff I would love to read, but just it's not financially feasible for me to buy every single issue. Yeah. I would totally read like a lot of the old classic stuff and some of the stuff from like the last 20 years, all the different whatever post pre crisis crap. Like I would just I would read all of it. I would get so immersed in the DC so quick. DC, please make it. Hmm. Paul Dini wrote for Lost. I think I knew that. Huh. I gotta figure out what episodes he wrote. Uh, but I will do that in the background as we discuss other things. Yeah, no, I you know, I really feel like they've seen the success of all of this and are have gotta be having conversations about it. Yeah. But I why just, haven't I mean, they mentioned it's more, anything? It's, it's more money. More money that we're willing to give them. Please, DC, please. Please, we need it. <laughs> I don't need it. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Batman number 41. It was it was good. Also out this week, um, we both read Injection. And we didn't really talk about Injection too much uh, mm-hmm. in, in issue one because I you know kind of made my statement of I don't really want to talk about a first issue. Well, now we have a second issue, and you've read both of them now, yes? I have, yeah. I read Injection number one, and I read Injection number oh. two right before the show. Paul Dini wrote um, one episode of Lost, which, by the way, is a great episode that he wrote, but still. It's uh, The Moth. Which one was that? That's the one where is the first, like, Charlie episode in season one, when him and Jack get, like, trapped in the cave. Oh, where they go through the whole drug 
God. Yeah, it's when it's um, like the drug stuff starts thing. ramping up. Yeah, that was a good episode. But okay, um, injection. Speaking of drugs, okay. So I did read the first one and I liked it, and there was a whole lot of stuff going on, and it said a lot without saying a whole lot. I realize it's one of those stupid way to describe things, um, but it really like he was. It was all set up, but in a really Warren Ellis witty kind of setup way. Um, so it definitely, it, it's almost like I wasn't immersed, but I was intrigued. Mm-hmm. Like I felt, I felt like I was kind of like gliding above yeah. the story. That's a lot. Of I was like, I, felt, I see yeah. a lot of interesting stuff, but I'm not close enough to it yet. And even so far as this second issue, I feel like I still haven't quite hit the ground yet and been, and become fully immersed in the story, but there's still enough there to kind of keep me like the gravity pulling me closer and closer. Mostly I picked it. I, I almost didn't pick it up, but I saw the cover with the the assassin guy, um, I forget his name. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, basically, upside down, like about to fire mm-hmm. his gun. Like there's diamonds and all this other stuff kind of flying about him. It's just De- Declan Shelby at his best. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't disappoint disappoint inside the issue at all. Yeah. Um. It the the guy's name is Sim, by the way. The Sim. Assassin. The assassin. Okay. Um. No, uh, yeah, the, the cover is really great, and I thought the uh, the fight scene um, near the end is really great. There's like no dialogue, uh, but it's, it's uh, Sim versus that really big guy. Mm-hmm. And there, there's like there's no dialogue in the whole thing, or uh, well, he says shit at one point. There's no like um, sound effects either. It's just really relies entirely on the art, and it is really well done uh, and mm-hmm. really really brutal. Um, this this is a book that is going to make a really great graphic novel, I think. Like the first, you know, when you get to sit down and read all of it at once, it's going to be really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right now, reading it week by week, it's you know, like you said, it's I'm kind of looking stuff over, but I'm not connecting yet. Yeah, I mean, and I know like like obviously like with Warren Ellis, like he said a lot that like people haven't been picking up trees, and trees is definitely the kind of story that's going to need a lot of time. For you to really appreciate everything that's setting up, I appreciate it. No, no, I know you do, but I mean, I like the true appreciation, like to like, whatever. Um, but injection, I feel like could be the same way. There's there's more stuff in the injection that I feel like I'm familiar with. Like it's got it's got some elements from Moon from their Moon Knight run. It's got some stuff from like Planetary. It's got just weird stuff. It's weird, um, but. It, I, I definitely there's, want there's, to keep reading. I might like just pick it up issue by issue and then just read it in large chunks, like every yeah, you know, four the, or five issues. Might be the best way to do it. And you know, they introduce all these characters, and you know they're all connected. And in this issue, you can kind of start to see stuff, con- you know, clicking a little bit more here and there. But it's, it's, it's almost it's, like I don't really know how to describe what the book is about. I know in yeah. the first issue they like they set up that um, Doctor Maria Kilgrave. Kilgrade, Kilgade. Yeah, and then she's Someone's in like, the, she's in the like first she's, two. She's part of this team. She's in the know? first two pages, and then we don't see her for the rest of the book. And then they, yeah, she's in like the, yeah first two pages. Like you, she's called. She, like she talks to um the blonde guy, um to oh, Morel, near the end, yeah, Rob Rob Morel, um who there's like weird stuff going on with him. Yeah, like his hand, like he's kind of like basically you see them when they first meet as a team whatever that team was meant for and everyone's like new and shiny and, and, and naive and young. And then like, we've clearly fast forwarded to where like, they're all just like screwed up individuals. Yeah. Um, 
I feel yeah. like I'm supposed to be connected to these characters yet, like already, but obviously I'm not. And maybe that's going to be like the beauty of the book when, you know, it all is said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, coming in now, it's like, oh, I'm trying really hard to like get into this book. And I would say this, this second issue was maybe a little bit easier for me to like slip into, but yeah, it's not like, it's not like I'm not connecting with the characters, but like you said, the story is enough. Mm-hmm. To kind of like, because I, I want to see where it's going at this point. I don't know. It's uh, it's something. It's definitely interesting. I, I also think the uh, the art. I think I, I kind of had a little bit of a grief with the art in the first issue. I don't remember if I talked about it. I don't really remember, but I think the art in this one was uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Like just to just to put it, um, like very clean. Like the color, like the fact that it's so bright is so different than the way Moon Knight was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really works. Like, really shows the diversity of uh, of uh, Declan Shelby. Yeah, some scenes like there's like I think I don't know if it's I I can't really say if it's a critique. Like like when they show uh, you say Sims and there was another woman that he was with. Uh-huh. Like their background was like all like muted out. And then other scenes, the backgrounds are more detailed. That yeah. was kind of like a, an awkward back and forth. It's cool, like in certain action scenes, where it's kind of like you you pan away from like the 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 background details to focus on the immediate action. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's just like people talking, like I kind of like it feeling more lived in, and I'm not sure what the aesthetic choice was to kind of mute the background behind them. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like a really great uh, part is when um, is there like a chandelier? So like basically, a uh, Sim's getting thrown around. Oh, he gets thrown up into the chandelier. I get it mm-hmm. now. Uh, but like the pieces of the chandelier are falling like uh, through the panels or like outside of the panels, like the like the they're in front of the lines. I don't know, just really creative stuff. I really like seeing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like Copperhead's done that a few times, and I've really enjoyed it. Love Copperhead. You Maybe really... the current issue. Yeah, man. You I can't believe you haven't read the new one yet. I didn't pick it up. It's good, man. You're a sucker. It's a great boo issue. Boo. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Boo's on the cover. We don't. Uh, we don't actually see the sheriff. I forget her name right now. Bronson. Uh, yeah, uh, she's actually not in it at all, or doesn't appear in it. She's obviously mentioned and talked about. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's. I'm, I really like the character of Boo in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously like really complex and layered, and it's it's. They're they're building him up and slowly digging into him without being mm-hmm. really obvious and mm-hmm. really like in your face because they talk about like they talk about the war a little bit. It's like it would have been like a perfect opportunity to have a cheesy moment of like, no, you don't un- you know like, you don't understand, uh, you know all these things, who I am, blah blah blah, war is hell. But, like it's like it's mentioned and then I thought talked about in a realistic way. Um, and I you know I really want to see. I just really want to see more of, of him develop, more of the relationship uh, between him and Bronson develop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a really cool dynamic, and he's a he's a he's a real cool guy, a real cool character. And uh, Boo is badass too, as I'm looking through. Like, I don't want to spoil things. I don't mind spoiling things for the listeners, but for you, I'm like, I should probably tiptoe. Wow, around. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. We don't care about the listeners, but we care about each other. Yeah. It's funny because Descender and Copperhead end in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. 
I mean, I'll, I have Descender. I could just flip to the end and then infer. Well, I mean, it's not going to spoil anything, actually. Ooh, there's a preview for We Stand on Guard. Yeah, and like all of the image books this week. Oh, right? There wasn't one in Injection. No, there's one in Copperhead. I'm pretty sure. Maybe only a few of them. Yeah. The big sellers. Your Drifter, Volume 1, Out of the Night. I still have to read the last few issues. Drifter was an odd book. It kind of, like the first, I've read the first two or three issues. And like, I love the art by Nick Klein. Uh-huh. But it's like the the writing's a bit odd. Sometimes I feel like it's trying to be poetic when it's not necessary, and then, um, and it's like it, I think it's trying to be creative with how it's framing the story, and then but you get kind of lost halfway through, and it's just like, how did we end up here? Right. Where are we coming from? What's going on? Um, but maybe once I read like through the full first arc, I'll gain a deeper appreciation for it. Great art by Nick Klein, though. Um, okay. So yeah, Batman, Injection, um, really good books. Saga also came out this week. It did, and I also didn't pick that one up. It's in my folder. Apparently, like, a few people have tattoos of, of the little seal guy already. Really? Yeah. That's funny. It's very bizarre. That oh, one guy's in Tucson. Interesting. Um, yeah, so, you know, I still love Saga, and I'm enjoying it. And I thought this issue was really good, but feel a little bit also you know i don't i don't know if this is just brian cave on overexposure but i don't feel like he, he did this in uh in why the last man but just like ah oh, man look at these characters in a tense situations and they're going to use really horrific curse words like get real dirty with it it's like man this universe is just disgusting if you think about it at all no, Saga is incredibly disgusting. Oh, yeah. No, this is really not a book for the faint of heart. I mean, the fact is like they have no problem just being like full frontal vaginas or, or birth scenes or, or anything. And, not, and that actually was a bad segue because that makes it sound, seem like I'm saying vaginas are disgusting. That's not what I mean. Dis- well, we, I think we've pretty much established there's certain which, disg- <laughs> for which team you bat, Nick. <laughs> it's that there, there's, there's, there's definite provocative scenes. Like say showing a full frontal vagina, and then there's definitely disgusting things like the slave sex planet that they found the girl Sophie. on Sophie, uh, and then like this whole thing where they need like dragon semen to do. Oh, dude, that goes in in weird ways. I, I've heard some something odd happens. In oh, this it's issue. so bizarre. But uh, like when we get to um, when we get back to uh, uh, Marco and uh, uh, Prince TV. Or Prince Ivy, whatever his name is. Um, oh, they kind of show some weird stuff the robots can do. I didn't even realize. But like they're, you know, they're talking about it. And I, I'm not even gonna like say the phrase because this is a, you know, a show that we try to avoid the the finer cursories in life. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna type to you right now, Nick. What uh, he says, and no one would ever say this phrase. Like no one would ever say that. Oh, I say that all the time. No, you don't. No, I don't. don't. I really don't. Who says that? Right? Like, no matter what situation you're in. I'm like, what? That's um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, okay, oh. in all fairness and in defense of the book, it does take place in an alternate, weird, future reality space no. odyssey kind well, of thing. No, it and, could and, just be an alien phrase. Possibly. Well, and I guess that that character has been proven to be foul-mouthed in the finest of ways. Who says uh, it? Uh, Prince Ivy. Or... Really? Yeah. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I guess he is somewhat vulgar. Um, yeah, now that I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, actually, it's not that shocking. But I thought this, you know, we, we've kind of talked about where the book was kind of getting into a little bit of a lull. Yeah. Um, I think this one stepped back out of it uh, in, in a few ways. Feels like it's it's more pressing. Yeah, yeah like we're getting to the stuff now where, where Saga is no longer shiny and new. Mm-hmm. You know, where it was like, it was super exciting. Nobody was doing anything like it. Um, it really, you know, it really kind of paved the way for a lot of the stuff Image is doing now, which is really great. Um, and it's like now, you know, now it's kind of getting into its, you know, I would say it's teenage years. Um, <laughs> it's hitting adolescence. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because we don't know how long it's going to run for. Um, Apparently twice as long as The Walking Dead. I thought, it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was one issue longer. Oh, maybe something like that. Yeah, he always says it's going to run one issue longer than The Walking Dead. Which, so, I mean, Walking Dead's not stopping, and it's 100-plus issues, so... Yep, so we're going to have Saga for quite some time. Which I'm sure that was an exaggeration. It'll run yeah. for a while. Um, I mean, Brian K. Vaughn usually do, does things for, like, 60 issues, like Max. I don't think he's done anything longer than 60 issues, so... Hmm, somewhere probably between 60 that. and 100 issues. Um, But, yeah, like, it's, it's getting to the point. It's not, you know, the brand-new, shiny toy. Uh, I, I appreciate that they're not going... that. You know they're not going crazy to try and get the attention back. I don't think they're losing attention, but mm-hmm. they're not like doing like crazy stuff to like keep one upping themselves. It's yeah. it's you know they they pretty much established horrific things right off the bat. They're staying on that level, mm-hmm. um, and it, you know it's 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 just hard to like for it to feel as fresh mm-hmm. um, and exciting when we've been doing it for twenty nine issues now. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, but. I, you know, I thought that this was this was a solid issue in the same vein of what we've seen, and it kind of reminds you of a lot of like why uh, some of this stuff is really great. Saga, 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 Sega, Sega, Sega. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Oh, I have to look it up now. I gotta, I'm gonna play it right here on the show. The Sega intro. Uh, you know, whenever you turn on your game gear before it would immediately then die because uh, that thing had the battery life of two minutes. All right. Um, I want to make sure it's not going to be too loud. Oh, classic. Nick? Nick, did we lose you? Oh, no. Something horrific has happened as we get to the end of the show, which I guess would be a perfect segue then uh, for us to get into recommendations, which I will then go ahead and start off. Uh, My recommendation for this week is with us talking about uh, The Punisher. Uh, Are you back there? I'm back. That was weird. I just started uh, recommendations up while you were reconnecting. Cool. Uh, Did you hear the Sega intro? I did not. Oh, man. Sorry, folks. Oh, I love it. Nostalgia. Anyway, recommendations. Uh, My recommendation for this week is something you can find on YouTube. Uh, Look up... Well, let me make sure that it's going to come up when you type this in. All right. So you can type in Dirty Laundry. And don't, don't watch the Kelly Rowland video. Watch the second one after that by Adi Shankar. Or you can look up Dirty Laundry uh, Punisher. And it's essentially a 10-minute a short film that the guy who did that uh, 
Power Rangers video that got really popular uh, made about the Punisher um, starring Thomas Jane and Ron Perlman also shows up in it. It's brutal. Um, it's a great vision of the Punisher. Uh, it's really, you know, it's, it's the way the film probably should have gone. And unfortunately we're now at this point, not going to get with this actor. Um, and we're probably not going to see a Punisher film anytime in the near future. So that, you know, that is, uh, that is what it is, but the video is great. Um, it is, it steals music exclusively from the dark Knight. So be prepared for that. It's, oh yeah, yeah, it does have that like, song, and it uses it like it, it stretches it out for ten minutes. It's just constantly in the background. Um, but it's it's a good it's a good short. Uh, it's from the guy uh, Adi Shankar's bootleg universe, which I guess is a series of things he does that um, that doesn't like they don't take place. Oh, it's Adi Shankar presents a Punisher bootleg film by Phil uh, Joanna or whatever. Um. You know, it's it's properties that he doesn't necessarily have the rights to make films for, but he's going to anyway. He's got money to burn. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which is how the Power Rangers stuff came about. I imagine that series is going to grow. Um, but anyway, Dirty Laundry Punisher video on YouTube. Check it out. Nick, what do you recommend? I am recommending a book that, I, admittedly, I have not read it in a long time, but I saw a... Um, a PR piece from Dark Horse not that long ago saying that they were going to collect it into like a nice like all in one like collected hardcover premiere edition and it's called Planets Planets sorry Planets is by Makoto Yukamura uh, it's a manga actually and it basically is about a team of um, salvagers who work out in Earth's atmosphere as they hmm. clean up like all the space debris uh, that's been collected in orbit over the years. Um, and there's other things like there's a there's a moon base, uh, and the and he ends up uh, the main character who honest I mean I really don't. Uh, sorry, Hachimaki was the is was the main character, um, um, and, and there ends up being this new girl that joins the crew called Tanabi. And basically, it kind of ends up being a love story. At the same time that Hachimaki uh, gets chosen to be on the first manned mission to Jupiter, um, and it kind of all like it's it's a very grounded, realist, you know, kind of in the vein of like Gravity or Inse uh, Inception, uh, Interstellar, but not necessarily with all like the the mind bending stuff. Um, it, it's the kind of thing where you actually probably might be able to see Christopher Nolan making a film out of it. Hmm. Um, but like the art's good, um, just great storytelling, great mood. Um, so seeing that article saying that they're re-releasing, kind of well, first of all, it makes me kind of want to maybe check out the the Dark Horse volume when it comes out. Um, but mm. uh, I mean, Planets is just it's it, I just I, I can it has such a strong impression on me. I can remember just like the way I felt when reading it, you know, some books just touch you that way. Yeah. And, awesome. and this, this, this is one of them. So definitely if you're interested in kind of a grounded realist science fiction, um, check out planets. It's, uh, I don't know if it's, it's, if the original volumes are out in public, uh, publication, it was four, one, two, three, four, sorry, five volumes. Um, the fourth one was split into two volumes. Like, I don't know why they just call it four and five, but, 
Um, and it, but it will be coming out from Dark Horse sometime this year, I believe. So either way, definitely check it out. It's definitely worth a read. Very cool. I need to go through and look at all the stuff we've recommended and put it like in, a, in an Excel sheet or something, mm. just so you know we can check. So I'm getting to the point where I'm like, have I recommended this yet? I don't know. I've only read so much stuff. I know. It's not like we don't keep reading new things all the time. Yeah, seriously. I have like an ever-growing pile on this chair next to me of books that I've already read that I've used to discuss in the show. <laughs> I really should put these away. Just for whatever reason. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Thank you so much for checking out, hanging out with us as we... Uh, have our many deep talks about the Fast and Furious franchise. You can find out more about the show at heckyeahcomics.com. You can email us your opinions on anything we've talked about, anything you think we should have talked about, or stuff you think we should read uh, at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can follow me on Twitter at davluz, and uh, you can find Nick uh, you can find Nick uh, attempting to build his own uh, mecha bat suit and trying to grow a mustache to fulfill his dreams. I can grow a mustache. I'm sure you can, buddy. Hey, the greatest thing about this new job is I get to have a beard again. Ooh. So excited. Uh, all right. Uh, as always, if you, it's, it's getting late here. As always, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Worst episode ever.